Hello everyone, it's Precious Pioneer and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Precious the Foodie. I really hope you guys enjoyed our Monday brews morning session. I just really enjoy sharing information and food happenings that are going on in the current day to day. I just think that knowledge is power and also sharing inspirational stories to kind of boost your morning positivity is something that's definitely up my alley. So as this show grows and changes and evolves to different things, I just wanted to go out and say thank you for being really supportive and I'm really appreciative for the learning curves, the ups and downs, and you guys are a really great team and so thank you so much. For those that listen every single week, right now I'm working to grow my engagement and so if you found any value out of the shows that I've created this far, then I encourage you to please, please, please leave a review in Apple Podcasts. You just scroll all the way to the bottom and you can write something, uh, whatever you thought about the show. But let's go into the shout outs for this week. The first one is from Mac underscore Mincy. Whether you're an aspiring chef trying to launch your food service, a scientist wanting to understanding the nature of cooking, or just tired of cooking your gourmet cheese and crackers, this show is for you. (laughs) Thank you. And let's go to Taylor Brown 620. So happy I found this podcast when I did. I really enjoyed it pre-epidemic, but now more than ever, it's bringing me positivity. Precious brings words to life with beautiful descriptions and brings a new perspective on topics that make you say, ah, I see, I like that. Her recent guests have been really interesting as well. I'm excited to see the podcast grow. Super special. Oh, that's so nice. And uh, to the third shout out of the week, Loren Maxine. Literally one of my favorite podcasts. It's joyful, informational, and leaves me in a good old mood every time. I am definitely no chef, but it always inspires me to try new foods and practice my skills. This has been a great addition to my life, especially during the current quarantine and pandemic. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. If you want to be featured in a shout out for next week's pod, go ahead and drop a review and maybe you'll be picked. Okay, enough with the announcements. This quarantine, we've really been all over the world. From the UK, to New York, to Portland, Oregon, even to India where we learned in tradition and culture how food is life. But now we're going to Bali, Indonesia to talk to my friend, my guest, Cece Hart, about how food is medicine. I loved creating this show. You can feel her love for you guys, the way that she speaks. You're all magical humans, she says. And I can't help but agree with her. With boundless potential, food is a plentiful resource that can transform your life. When you think about healthy eating, though, there tends to be a negative connotation with trials and struggles, and trust me, I I understand. But consider how food makes you feel and go from there. Be 1% better each day. Take baby steps, as they say. Move in tiny steps forward. Tiny steps forward move mountains. And we're hiking all quarantine long. Cue the intro. Hi, welcome to Precious the Foodie Podcast, the show that will uncover stories through palettes and memories. My name is Precious Pioneer, your host. I'm a chef, a creative, and a foodie. I'm meeting people all over the world using food as a medium to highlight truths into bite-sized pieces. 
Hello, my name is Cece Hart. I'm currently in Bali. This is my, my playground for right now. I call myself an inspiration activator or an inspiration sorceress is my favorite. And I try to help people be inspired in their passion in all kinds of different ways. And my favorite way is through food. So I'm plant-based, gluten-free, refined, sugar-free, foodie. And, and so I create recipes that I believe are as, as perfectly designed to heal the human body as I, I know of. So I went on this huge quest across the world to try to figure out different healing medicines that were natural and it keeps coming back to food what we're putting into our bodies and how that affects our body, mind, and spirit. And so I have just been on this beautiful journey of trying to share that with people and change maybe their perception of what's going on in their plate so that they can impact their lives in a positive way. That sounds so cool. So what um, inspired you to embark on this journey around the world? Well, twofold. One, I was kind of knocked off my life path by my partner, and he had this gung-ho energy about him to go and see the world. And so both of us really wanted to make an impact on the environment, and we both had a strong will to help others. And so I think in trying to find out how <laughs> to fall into that, we just went on this learning journey that kept bringing us to different parts of the world. And so we started out in the United States because he was, he's American. And so he was, that's where he was living. And so we started out there in California, going to climate rallies and, you know, really getting in the environmental bandwagon there. And then we moved down to Belize, which a lot of people don't realize is right under Mexico in Central America. And we got a property and this is the really fun part. We were going to teach locals how to grow organic food and then ideally how to make delicious healing food from the food that they had grown themselves. Sorry, we have a little bit of company in the background. I've just adopted two uh, rescue puppies that are strays. So, you know, they were quiet up until now. And now I feel they think that mom is needing their attention. No, I completely understand. I have a puppy dog of my own. I wanted to ask you, so what you're doing being an environmentalist and advocating for all these things that could potentially save the world, I think that's really empowering. How do you think your childhood kind of influenced or impacted those things to help develop who you are today and inspire you to even uh, make that journey. You said your partner was involved, but I feel like sometimes that desire to do good stems from a memory or some place. So what was that place for you to kind of get you started? I really love that question. That's so beautifully phrased. I, as a child, was the one going around telling people that they needed to recycle. And so it feels like I was just born with a really extreme love for all life on the planet. I'm very empathetic. I'm very energetically intuitive. And so I feel a lot of what's going on with not only people, but all living beings. So that's animals and that's also nature around us. And so I wanted to protect that in as best as I could. And so it started off for me recycling because as a child, that's all I really knew what to do, going around and turning off lights and telling people that they needed to turn aircon off when they left the room. So it really started off that way for me. And 
I think that it grew passionately more and more as I got older and figured out different systems that could make massive change. And one thing that I realized on my journey a little bit later in life is that food plays so much into everything, first of all, but a, a lot into the environment. And so I, I needed to know how to adopt food choices that were going to be in alignment with my, my will and my passion to better the planet for, for the generations to come. I completely understand where you're coming from. When I was a kid, um, in elementary school, they had these things where if you collected the tops of cans or recycled cans or something like that, each class, whoever collected the most would get like a brownie party or something like that. And my class always won because I would collect them. I would from neighbors, I would knock on their doors and ask and I would just bring in garbage bags full of these recycled items. And so I feel like as a child, just paying attention and being aware to the impact that we that we make as individuals, just kind of being centered around that really helps to develop us as adults. And so I think that's really cool that you're kind of on the same like uh, path that I kind of started. With all of your travels, what is something that the main takeaway that you would uh, get from the people that you've interacted with, the cultures and things like that, because I feel like right now with climate change and a lot of these things that are going on, especially with the uh, feeling of the coronavirus and all these things, people kind of uh, lose sense of hope in these times and they feel like there's not really much change that's happening. What can you say based on your experience and your travels? Do you feel like people are on the bandwagon of uh, advocating for better or demanding better? Or do you think that we have a long way to go? Hmm, that's that's a, a difficult question to ask because I feel on both sides of the spectrum that there's positive and there's not so positive. But let's look on the positive lens and say that I've seen a lot of shift in awareness. And so I guess that does tie hand in hand with what I might say with the, the downside of things is that there was, and in, in current, currently in some places it still is, there's just lack of education and kind of this complacency with just normal. And so in Bali, for example, they used to use banana leaves to wrap all of their stuff in. So their food that they were traveling with, they would take banana leaves and they would wrap it all up. And then after they were done with it, they would throw it on the ground. And that was how they did it. And it would compost. So that behavior still exists, even though the material has changed now to plastic, mostly. And so it's not mm -hmm. their fault, because they're just doing what their cultures have always done. It's just traditional behavior. But there's now huge awareness coming into that saying, for example, in this case, education into that saying this material is actually different than the other material. This material ends up in your waterways. This material ends up on the beaches and this material isn't breaking down in the same way. And it's been really remarkable to see different organizations, different people and projects coming into just for that one example, how much energy is going into stopping the plastic problem. And I've seen the plastic problem all over this world, and it's not just third world countries. It's not just the small remote countries. It's the big countries, too. It's all of us. And so this awareness becoming more, more in alignment with what you're purchasing. 
is also another thing. So there's huge movements here, for example, that are changing the packaging on what you're purchasing so that when you buy it, it doesn't become such a big problem. It's going to break down. I mean, they're making plastic bags that are made out of potatoes and all kinds of different really inventive things to change that whole structure so that it doesn't end up being a bigger problem in the future like plastic is. So that's just one example. But I t- to really hone in on your question, I, I guess I would say overall, it is positive. I think that people, especially now after this whole virus situation, I think they're really realizing they look up in the sky. For example, I saw the sunset last night. And I saw for the first time since living here for three and a half years, I saw mountains that I'd never been able to see through the smog. And that just goes to show the air cl- clarity. And I, I think and I believe and I hope and I wish and I pray Mm-hmm. That people are really going to see that, that majestic beauty in so many capacities and try to make changes. Yeah, I th- I noticed that too. I feel like um, being trapped inside, we kind of got to see through our windows how spring kind of took over and in that transition of like bare trees to suddenly flowers blooming and bees buzzing and all these different things. Not that they weren't before, but it felt like time was just a little bit slower and we were more attentive because we couldn't be out frolicking in those areas, I suppose. And hopefully hopefully those ideas and memories will kind of resonate with, uh, with us as we kind of go back to our everyday normal. I hope the normal kind of evolves into something better for all of us, you know? Yes, I totally agree. And I would love that. And it's something that I've been very happy and optimistic about during this time is that food and our diets and our lifestyle choices and our overall health has changed as well because people have had to adjust and so I hear people saying that they're now making more conscious choices about what they're eating because they have to make it themselves and really investigating that whole realm so I've had a lot of interest in what the kind of information that I'm putting out there more so now as people have had time and more energy into being able to give their their minds attention to that kind of stuff and say hey There's a lot of patterns that we have all been just collectively doing because it's been the norm for so long, but now the norm has been shifted. So now we have the chance to change. Right. I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, I feel like to break a habit is a cultural shift and we we as humans like to mirror other individuals. And so I feel like if just a few of us start on this new pattern, you know, others will follow. And I think that's pretty cool. I kind of want to switch this conversation a little bit. I know that you are a huge advocate and a believer of food as medicine. I am too. I think um, it's so powerful in the sense that what we eat simply impacts how we feel on the day-to-day. And I think just realizing that could impact a lot of people who are really stressed or sometimes feel depressed or moody and all these different things. Just eating the right things can help and be an aid to those things. And so as an advocate for food is being a source of medicine, what can what has your experience been like? Have you always eaten really healthy or what was that shift for you that that made you decide to eat a lot more green and, and, and in that sense, I suppose? You know, it's something that I always have to laugh about because I actually was not a very healthy eater. And when I was younger, I had already the want to eat healthy. That It's so funny because my predisposition – my underlying want was to eat how I eat now. But there's cultural traditions and, you know, systematic programming that come from 
our society that tell us that we need to eat in a certain way. And so I would say, you know, as a young child, I don't want to eat that as many children do. And those are the foods now that I've removed from my diet after extensively researching them and deeming them to be unhealthy. And I, I have to say this now because my mom is going to listen to this and say, hey, you're throwing me into the under the bus, but not at all. It's, it's parents everywhere are faced with this problem, this challenge that there's information being given to them that children or or any human being needs certain foods to be healthy. But my my research and all of my travels and the world and everything that I've spent all my energy and passion into the last you know, couple year few years is that we're 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 not being accurately told the whole picture. So I moved into healthy food after having a health consequence and I no no doctor could really help me. They gave me prescription after prescription and it wasn't working and there was it didn't seem like there was anything that could be done and then eventually I decided to switch my diet and that was this eureka moment of change transformation in my body and my mind and I just completely dove into it and then fully went exploring that and uncovering all this new information and questioning that. And so now I am, you know, a huge, huge advocate of sharing that information because I didn't know it. So I wasn't able to be eating. I thought I, at times I thought I was eating healthy because, you know, maybe I would order something that wasn't completely terrible, (laughs) but it's, it's, just we're just not being taught this and even doctors they'll admit it they're not taught very much about nutrition and so you have this huge movement now that's all about really empowering people to get that education to be informed and to take control of their health through food because so many of the diseases that are plaguing our world are preventable by diet right i completely I completely agree with you. That I, I just think that's so amazing that not necessarily that you had to go through that transition to be able to see that change, but to become an advocate and be able to speak from personal experience, I think is far more powerful than um, shoving a bunch of documentaries upon people. But honestly, I had realized the same thing after researching and studying food as a chef and realizing all these different all these different things. I grew up as an athlete. I've always been an athlete all the way until college. And what we're told about what we should be eating and all these different things, like I've always been a really lean athlete. And so as a track player or as a softball player, they've always wanted me to increase my diet by eating a whole bunch of food, like more meat, more protein, all these different things, those protein, milk, drinks and shakes and I just knew that like it hindered my performance, if anything, because I felt so full and sluggish and I gained weight in weird places. And so I had to study it upon myself and figure out what worked best for me, what caused me to succeed. And I realized that increasing plants, like the amount of plants that I was eating was far more impactful than anything I've ever done. And I started juicing and I learned about beets and how it infect, how it opens up your blood ce- your blood cells and all these different things that make it make breathing easier, which is like really important when you're running and doing track and cardio and things like that. And so after watching this documentaries, you're right, a lot of the doctors did admit that if someone came in with diabetes or heart problems and things like that, they would... Uh, give them medicine like pills or something to 
decrease that reaction or like figure out the chemical imbalance, you know. But like I said, natural ingredients such as beets naturally do that and open up your lungs so you can breathe easier and all these different things. And so I wonder why, I always wondered why we weren't taught these certain things. And I remember in high school, I even uh, remember in, when Miss Michelle Obama was our first lady, she started this Let's Move campaign to get uh, kids moving again because our obesity rates were really, really high. Still, They still are like more than one third of our population suffers from obesity. And I kind I wrote her a letter actually asking her why this happens. Like, why does why do these problems exist? And she actually wrote me back a, a year or so later explaining how it's the younger generation that kind of has to be the advocates to share their experiences and encourage movement instead of like a sedentary lifestyle and how the food that we eat really does impact our lives. And I think she was just a great advocate and example of that because she showed people like me and people across America that home gardening and the importance of eating vegetables was important. You know, she even made a jingle of like a rap song called like, you know, like turn up for what, you know, she like did a little bit with like a turnip or something, you know, and I think that's really empowering. I know I I don't know (laughs) what else to say about that, but. I I really love that. I mean, when you have people that are out there in the forefront that are influential like that and they're using that power and that eye on them to for good, that always warms my heart. And so I think that more and more people are going to come out. I mean, James Cameron is is so in the eye of the public from Titanic and Avatar. And, you know, he was the one that just helped it put out the game changers and so when you have people that are at that scale coming out and saying hey everybody you know we have this issue here let's not all get sick and die then I think it's something to call even more attention to because you you have so many people that are out there trying to get the word out but sometimes that word gets lost in all the haze of so much social media and so much content that we can't even consume. And so that's why I always say that if I could even touch just one person with information that maybe they would have never seen, because for me in the past, I would have never seen that when I began this health journey, I didn't know anybody that knew anything about this. I had nowhere to turn and it didn't seem as popular of an idea as it is now. So I think that you can see with just that, the growing movement that people are saying we need to take health back into our hands and maybe all the processed food that we're eating and all the sugar is really killing us because for for example just before this call because I was running a little bit late I ordered food and I live in Bali so I can get all kinds of delicious plant-based gluten-free whatever food I want delivered and so I ordered some but unfortunately there was a little bit of brown sugar in the sauce and I never ever eat sugar and so it really kicked my butt and so I was on the couch thinking oh no I I I don't know how I'm gonna make this call because my heart feels like it's going to explode out of my chest and so there's been so many studies come out about sugar you know obviously the sugar industry and people making money off that don't want you to hear it but it's literally the same effects on the body as a drug and I just witnessed that with the tiniest a little bit of sugar in my sauce because I'm very intentional about what I put into my body and I felt so much empathy 
and sympathy for everybody that is living with the sugar that's hidden in all of the food and everything that we eat and how it's damaging our body. Right. It's the the dopamine effects. I was actually reading this book. It's like a habits book, actually completely irrelevant to food, but it mentions and uses a lot of examples of weight loss and how certain triggers can increase our dopamine and cause us to salivate over just the idea of certain foods. And it's mostly because of the pleasure levels in food and what sugar has an impact on the stimuli, the stimuli in our brain that gives us that energy and all these different things and how it kind of triggers us. And so it's definitely an interesting transition to make, especially when you, it's not that you were born eating these foods, but you grew up on these foods that originally didn't, weren't deemed so bad before research and studies came out. And so it's very interesting how to transition out of that, what tips would you recommend for somebody who I'm not going to say is like the typical American who I guess they would, would eat a lot of junk food, but kind of transition to a healthier lifestyle? Because I feel like it's not that we're stubborn, but I guess that we are in to a certain degree. And we value a lot, uh, just part of our culture is that we value uh, convenience more than quality. What would you say or what recommendation would you um, give to someone just to transition into a healthier lifestyle? Because if you drop that on them, trust me, I've tried. It's like, it's not that they turn away, but you're kind of just, it's not that they, I don't know how to describe it. It's not that they don't want to believe it, but they rather just not know and continue in their day to day. But I feel like sometimes when you live by example, then they just follow along. It's that assimilation rule. Like if you order a salad with a group of friends and suddenly someone else will order a salad too or like they will get a vegan option or try the impossible burger and all these different things. So what would you recommend for someone who is willing to try and become healthier and wants to lose weight or help with their diabetes or their heart problems or things like that, but just don't know where to begin? You know, like we mentioned before, the research just isn't it's out there, but it's kind of hard to find based on all the publications that um, are backed by money. You know, like, of course, the Heart Foundation or something will always recommend, I don't know, a lean steak or something, which obviously isn't the most efficient way to solve that problem, you know. So what would you just recommend for everyone? Oh, I want to go a hundred different ways with this question. <laughs> but first of all, I want to say that one thing that you mentioned is so huge because people, you're right, people hear the idea of going into a healthier lifestyle and they probably want that, but then they think, well, it's difficult or all the reasons why not to, and then they don't because it's not convenient and or it takes time and all of the, the excuses that happen. And what's so important to know and I hope this really changes someone's mind because it blew my mind when I found this out, is that when our gut lining is damaged from inflammatory foods, and you know, that's processed foods, guys, that's sugars, that's processed meats. And really, I know people are going to come at me for this, but it's all animal products in general. And there's lots of stats out there and research to show that. But you can still eat it if you if that's you know you're your own person but it causes inflammation in the gut so when you have damage in your gut lining that actually ruins your body's potential to speak to your brain 
And so inflammatory foods are the cause of this. And so that is anything from processed foods, sugars, animal products, and you can eat any of those things that you want to, you, you know, you're your own boss of your own life. But the, the evidence supports the fact that these foods inflame our gut. And then when our gut is inflamed, we don't have the same processing from our body to go up to our brain, to our empathy center, our prefrontal cortex that tells us hey, in the future, this isn't going to be good for me. And what I mean by that is you could think ahead of time when you're going to make a food choice and you could look at that bag of potato chips and you might think, if I eat this now, I will gain pounds later or I will be low energy later or whatever the consequence might be. But you can see that consequence because your empathy center is functioning and firing. But when you're, when that center is blocked or damaged by the damage in your gut lining, you don't have that. So it doesn't look like that consequence equation. It, instead, it's just, I want to eat that and I'm going to act on impulse. And so your amygdala is acting out of impulse and you just do what you want to now. And that's the American way. And that's why it's the sad diet because we're eating the standard North American diet is all about foods that are impact now, satisfaction now, and geared toward really lighting up and activating that, that whole sequence of impulsivity. So if I was going to tell mm -hmm. you to do anything specifically, I would really advocate to lower at the very least your processed meats. And what I mean by that are the really highly carcinogenic ones like bacon and the the meats that come the de the deli meats deli deli, deli meats, deli meats. <laughs> there, mm -hmm. there we go that kind of stuff is really really bad for you and that's barely even debated anymore that stuff is really highly linked to cancer and so if i was going to say cut anything out try to limit that stuff and also i mean limiting processed foods in general is a great way to start because i say you don't want to eat dead food if you're eating dead food, you're getting dead energy. And we're all energetic beings. So if we're eating live, vibrant food, then we're going to be live and vibrant and healthy and alive. But if we're eating dead packaged foods that are sitting on the shelf for like years, which is what's everybody's pantry right now from COVID, that's not going to support your system. It might keep you alive, but that's not the point. You don't want to just be a living zombie. You want to be really functioning optimally in your best it vibrant self else why are we even living this life i've never heard of that before um dead food i wow that's really cool um, i've never seen it seen it that way before but i think there's a lot of truth in that i feel eating the best quality foods makes you the best quality you know like if you eat a whole bunch of junk food and saturated fats and all these things that aren't very natural then if that's supposed to give you energy and supposed to sustain you, imagine running on that. I always compare food like uh, the gas you put in your car. If you put in crap in your car, you know, and you and it breaks down in the middle of the road, you wouldn't be surprised. Yet at the same time, like we have that same standard for the food that we eat. That just really doesn't make a lot of sense. And so if we kind of look at that parallel and put the best quality for the best quality. I think that just that alignment in itself makes a lot of sense. I think your life is very interesting. Okay. So currently you live in Bali. I wanted to know more about what that experience is like because Bali is known as a dream destination and all these different things. And so I kind of wanted to know what kind of 
foods are popular there? What kind of foods can't you get anywhere else in the world? I think either coffee or chocolate is made there. I'm pretty sure. I think it's chocolate, right? You you have uh, cocoa beans growing there. That is that what Bali is known for? We have both. So Bali has incredible coffee and it has incredible chocolate. So I, I love both of those things. However, I'm <laughs> I I think that American style of coffee is way way too strong because in Bali they give you this tiny little cup. And when my dad came to visit, he was so confused and he ended up going to Starbucks because he thought that you know that they were ripping him off by these small little cups. But the way they drink it here, I feel, is more to enjoy it opposed to this more addictive culture that we need this caffeine to get us through the day however it's phenomenal and it's so potent in how fresh and flavorful it is and cacao I always think well I guess I forget sometimes how amazing it is to just be able to enjoy that and have it so available because I not everybody knows this but cacao chocolate what chocolate's made of is made from a bean and that bean when you eat it in its original form this is one of the very first things I learned about healing foods is that it has a heart opening activated property, which kind of like loosens tension. And it's this really beautiful experience. And so in Bali, they use it in a lot of different settings, like yoga, for example, or different workshops that are about connecting. Because when you eat it in its pure form before it's been changed and separated from the butter, from the powder, and then all the sugar put into it before that, it really is this remarkable plant experience. I mean, some people say, is it a drug? No, it's not. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have the same capacity like that, but it does have this beautiful heart opening connectivity centered experience that really loosens you up. And so the first time I ever had it was in Guatemala and I was going to yoga and I was very nervous and didn't really want to go. And then someone gave me this to loosen me up. And I couldn't believe it. It was it just felt like this beautiful happiness and this joy. And so the Mayans say that that's why it got popular with women, because it gives us this emotional experience. And so men caught on to that and started giving women chocolate for treats on chocolate. Oh, exactly. Oh, that's so funny. No, I think that that's so interesting where certain things come from. And I always say that When you shorten the supply chain of where things travel from, the better quality and the different experience is associated with that. And so the fact that you're aware the heart of chocolate and coffee is made and then shipped all over the world, you know, like you get a completely different, unique experience than than I would ever have, you know. And so it's cool that how chocolate has that or the cacao bean has that impact on on you and people, I guess, when you eat it. I never knew that that experience was associated with it, but it does make sense how I think I did hear about that experience that chocolate has on women, that tradition. And so I think that's kind of funny how it kind of, how traditions transition over time, how they evolve. Yeah, exactly. And so it's a traditional drink that you can, that can be made and then you, you drink it and Like I said, it's so beautiful, but you can also just eat the beans. So here we just get the beans all the time and just chew on them because I make my own chocolate. And so I make it with coconut milk that I make from by myself. I go get the coconuts from the market and then I make the coconut milk and then I make, I get the chocolate and I melt it and I make it in this very 
intentional way so that everything is really healthy so that there's no guilt. And I've kind of become a little bit famous for my chocolate because, because it's made in the traditional Mayan way. And that it's, like I said, it's heart opening and there's a lot of romance involved in it. And so anytime I'm nervous or I have something that's, you know, a little bit out there, maybe a little bit out of my comfort zone, I always make this drink. This It's just cacao and hot water and spices. It's nothing crazy for anybody out there thinking that, but it, it <laughs> what it does is just amazing. And so I love sharing that experience with people because it goes into my whole philosophy is that plants, nature, you know, dandelions, like all of these things, they have all of these capabilities to heal us in so many different ways that we don't necessarily know. And so I love so much tapping into that and in any any chance I get, learning from elders of different spiritual or ancient traditions to teach me things like that, like about the cacao. I mean, not everybody knows that, but I think that everybody should know that because if you're scared and you have anxiety and you could just drink some chocolate, would you not, would you not want to just do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. Wow, that's, that's so cool. Okay, so one thing that I do with each of my guests um, before we sign off is – if the listener did not have the opportunity to hear anything that we have said thus far, what is something that you'd like to leave them with? It can be something inspirational or it could be some truth or wisdom. What is something that you would just like to share your message with them? I think that human beings are so magical. And I think that we're forgetting that. And by stepping into our passion and passion for life, for being alive, for experiencing this world. When you step into that, something awakens in you and then everything else can fall into place after that. You can take the next step to get you to the next step and it all becomes kind of this ladder where you just are going up and it's it's this wonderful experience. So I, I just want to activate everybody to feel that passion and whatever that is to them you know, that will be unique. And it's amazing that it is. And that's why we are all on this, our own individual, but collective experience. And for me to be able to help anybody activate that passion, I always say that we have to remove the toxins, chemicals, and poisons that are at war with us. I think that if we can get the war off our plate, all of these, these bad guys going (laughs) into our bodies that want to fight with us, if we could just start to put in protectors, allies, that we can then activate that passion in ourselves. because when we're feeling better, then we're able to see a new side of the story that, that makes us more excited to live because one thing that's so sad to me is when we're sick, mostly from our diet, we don't wanna really live anymore, so we don't really care about anything and we fall off our activated purpose. So that's my big, you know, takeaway is that if you are feeling sad, if you are feeling like you don't even know what's going on with your life and you're just passing through the motions, try changing your diet. You'd be so surprised what happens when you can start to rebuild your gut and when your body starts functioning in its natural purpose and and the evolutionary processes in which we've come to this point to get to. So there's so much magic in us and you just, you know, just activate that by just take one step and think what's on my plate and what's tomorrow going to be. <laughs> I love that. That's remarkable. It's beautiful. I, I think that really tones into why I love 
being a chef, you know, I have the opportunity to make something and put that on someone's plate and inspire them and make them feel good walking away from the dinner table, you know, and finding that right balance and sparking joy for everyone, you know, and I think that's really powerful to leave that with the listeners because at the end of the day, like you said, you are in control of what you decide to eat but at the end of the day the bigger picture is how do you want to feel how do you want to live your life how do you feel today are you sick are you dealing with certain things um and what would be the best solution and i think taking a tiny step towards what you're eating and making a small transition of like okay instead of eating meat every day maybe i'll just try three days you know just making small little transitions and taking small baby steps is moves mountains you know like each step a day eventually by the end of your life you'll travel travel the marathon i guess if that's the parallel we want to use but thank you so much for um being on the show i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me and you know just in general it's so great to be able to connect with you i i really love that you have the same passion about food as I do. And I I know there's so many people out there that don't even know they're passionate about food yet. So it's fun to be able to be here with you and trying to excite that in others. So thank you so much for having me on. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. Listeners, if you want to find Cece anywhere on social media, you can find her at... My website is cece, and C-E-C-E, heart.com. That will link you into all of my socials, but just in case somebody is listening and they're not seeing that. My Instagram handle is Inspiration Sorceress. My Facebook page is Inspiration Sorceress. And those are the big ways to connect with me. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's show. If you have any questions or need any access to resources, everything will be listed below in the show notes. If you're interested in following the show or you'd like the video version of the show better, you can follow the show on Instagram at PreciousTheFoodie or at PreciousPioneer. Or if you want to watch the videos online, I do have a YouTube channel called Precious Pioneer. You can go ahead and check that out as well. With everything going on, there's a bunch of highs and lows, and there's a lot of negativity. So I encourage each and every one of you to go out and be kind today. As always, live life with love and love food with life. Catch you guys next week. Bye-bye.